This is Brandon Wenzel with Marge Perlow talking about the topic of Brown versus Board of Education in the 1950s. What types of racial segregation have you seen? Um, so the segregation that I saw was uh, <clears throat> practically nothing. I lived in a city about 60,000 and uh, in my grammar school and junior high, there was not a black anywhere. When I got to high school, uh, which was a very large high school, was the only public one in the city. We had three Catholic ones, but blacks to my knowledge weren't Catholic, so they were all, at, we had about 500, 600 people in a class and 10 blacks. Yeah. You know, it was like that. They lived in a section that we used to call the 12th Ward. And their grammar school was Eliza Kelly. And you can, that was named after, obviously, some black segregation rebel or whatever. And then they come to high school and they're uh, 50, 60 people stuck in to 2,500. Well, there were, I'm sorry there would have been about 50 in every class. So maybe 200 kids out of 2,500. That's the segregation that I've seen. Okay. okay. But you still like went to class together and everything? Sure. Okay. Betty Jeff, our uh, homerooms were alphabetized and my homeroom was J and she sat near me, Betty Jefferson, and she was a picnic. Her brother was a football hero. He was a running back. That's where we saw the blacks. On the football field and the basketball court. Okay. So what were your like personal beliefs with going to school with them? Like intermixing races? Were you well, fine with it? I was trying to think of that this morning when I got that list. Mm -hmm. um, I came from a fundamental Christian background. And um, those people still, you know, today believe you lead separate lives, blacks and whites. It wasn't any different then. <clears throat> and uh, one of the things that I remember feeling when I was in high school, which was in the early 50s, <clears throat> excuse me, was, um, I'm just thinking of Betty. She was she was tough. I was afraid of her. And uh, all of the black girls weren't like that. There were very few. But Betty, maybe because her brother was a big football player, she she put the fear of God in me. So I try to stay and and be nice to Betty and kiss up, you know. Yeah. So those are practically the only at high school the only racial feelings that I had. Uh, other than that, I, you know, I, I don't remember. I just thought, well, there aren't very many of them. There are more of us than there are of you. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, <clears throat> and Betty and I were in the same gym class and we were throwing baskets girls basketball was different back then. We only played half court. Mm -hmm. And you threw the basket, the next guy in the back, 
he threw the ball to and ran around at the back and you know you know that drill. And we had an enormous gym. I mean it seated five thousand people. And the uh, bleachers were ten feet above the gym floor. <clears throat> and you could go up uh, wooden ladders to go up in there. Betty's in front of me, she throws the ball. It goes up there. Does she go and get it? No, she walks to the end of the line. And I said, Betty, go and get that ball. And she said to me, <laughs> Mills heard this story 10,000 times. She said, none of your B-I-Z. <laughs> and I said, okay, okay. So I had to climb up the ladder and get the ball. That's, you know, that's the standoffish difference between whites and blacks. Now, the guys who were athletes, they were all buddies with the black guys, you know, which stands to reason they were too. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and uh, my friends and I ran around with a lot of those guys on the team and uh, would see them, you know, being really good friends with the, the fellows that were on the team. Mm -hmm. So what were your interactions with them like? Like, did you stay mostly within your own friend group and was it like looked down upon for other people to see you talking to African-Americans or? No, you didn't. You know, I talked to Betty because she was in my homeroom in my class, but I didn't know any of the other kids. Oh, I, we knew uh, my girlfriend and I were in the same biology class as Kurt Holden and he was in the basketball team, good looking kid so shy, because he was the only black in our class, and he sat at the end of our lab table. And my, my girlfriend that was at the table with me was, she said, wow, that, he is so cute, I'm gonna talk. And she tried to talk to him and he was so shy, he didn't want to carry on a conversation with her. Interestingly enough, Kurt became a school teacher at my high school. Wow. Isn't that funny? Yeah. Like 30 years later. That's crazy. Yeah. So his family must have stayed <clears throat> in uh, the town. I would imagine a lot of them left. A couple of the uh, football players got scholarships to Grambling. Do you know Grambling? No. It's a black university in the South. Good. You know, they had a hot coach and... Uh, uh, my guess is they never came back. Yeah. Right. Huh. But now the uh, high school uh, is 60 to 70 percent black because mm -hmm. people move, you know, white flight. Yep. You heard about that, surely. And uh, I lived on the west side, so we didn't have, there wasn't a black person over there. We did, I didn't run into the shopping, church, you know, anywhere. And interestingly enough, they never came to the prom. They had their own. Really? See, they do their own thing in the 12th Ward. And uh, the only time, only thing we ever saw them to at school would be the athletic events. And they didn't hang with us, surely. Mm-hmm us meaning whites and um, uh, 
I don't remember seeing them at school plays. And we had a huge auditorium and it was usually sold out because it was a town where the townspeople came to all the activities too. Yeah. Never saw anything there. So they it sounds had, like they separated themselves. They did. Mm. They had their own fun. Gotcha. Yeah. And so when anybody tells you that the North is different from the South, it, it took a long time. Yeah. And <clears throat> my dad was a university graduate, so he wasn't like that so much. But it, the other side of my family that was from really Chicago, and they all were, whoa. I mean, they knew all the, the names like, do I say them to you? You know, and down south, they were nigger. Mm -hmm. In Chicago, they were jigs, and that's short for jigaboo, mm -hmm. okay? And coons, and what that's short for, I have no idea. And I can remember when I was in college and at family uh, dinners, Thanksgiving, I used to just, I just cringed. I just, I couldn't believe, you know, they were saying that, but I'd be one person you yeah. know, saying, well, I could say it to my parents, mm -hmm. but uh, if I got started with my family, they would say, ah, college girl, listen to you, blah, blah, you know. Yeah. You know, that kind of drill. Mm -hmm. So the people you were around, this was the time that like schools were just getting mixed races, right? Sure. My kids went to school, of course, in California, which mm -hmm. is a whole different ball of wax. Yeah. Segregation started when Leslie was going to be in the seventh grade. And her brothers were both older. And so they witnessed that. And I could remember my sons coming home from uni high saying, hey, it's no different. They have their own table at lunch. They have their own table at break. What's the segregation bit? Do you, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Uh, they segregated within the segregated community. You yeah. know, they, they were bussed in from South Central LA. That's going to later on. That's in the 70s, so that's different from what we're talking about. Yeah. Were your friends and like the people that you were around, were they opposed to the idea of like mixed races? How was racism with them? Do you know what? I, I kind of pondered over that when I saw it and I thought it was so far out of our minds that we didn't talk about it. Mm -hmm. I can remember when I was in college, which was in the mid 50s, I was in, um, a women's glee club that traveled to the south. We went all the way down to New Orleans and places uh, between. And I can remember being astounded and having friends say, look, we're in the bus station because we went by way of Greyhound bus, you know, that's how, so we'd be in the bus station. They have their own drinking fountains where it's colored only, their own bathrooms. That made us feel, oh, whoa, we're good. They don't do that up in Chicago. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. They, uh, 
they, we called attention to it, how bad it was in the South. And that's kind of funny, because it really, tacitly, it was that way in the North, too. Only they had their own drinking fountains, and they could use our bathrooms. Yeah. So it sounds like there weren't people, like, getting, like, rioting, getting super angry at black students going to school with you? Uh-uh. Okay. No. Uh, 1955 was uh, Rosa Parks, mm -hmm. you know, when she rode the, the bus. That was, that was a big deal down there when she had refused to go to the back of the bus. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, and we'd talk about that, but um, again, feeling superior. Oh, they go on our, you know, they can sit wherever they want in our bus. Yeah. They don't come to our clubs and, um, you know, we don't socialize with them, but we let them do this as opposed to the South. Yeah, that makes so sense. So that was kind of a superior, you know, made the North feel like, whoa, we're something else. Mm -hmm. right. So. Well, 